Thank you for checking out the sermon at Hope Church. We exist to connect people to live the life of a Jesus follower. We're excited that you came across this message and are tuning in. We just want to make you aware of a couple things before we get to the sermon. First, we'd love to connect with you. You can follow us on our social networks by searching at Hope Church LV. Also, be sure to check out our website, hopechurchonline.com. There, you have access to other resources, information about who we are, and where we're going as a church, as well as an opportunity to give to what God is doing through our church. Once again, thanks for checking out this sermon. Please let us know if there's any questions you have or any way we can come alongside you and your family. Enjoy the message. This past summer, my family and I uh, took kind of our annual extended vacation uh, down to San Diego. That's a part of the country that we really love to visit. Uh, We love the beach. We love the weather. A lot of our favorite restaurants are down in that area. And so we had our vacation time, my wife and my daughter and myself, and we had a great time. And it seemed like, before I knew it, it was time to return to Las Vegas and back to reality. So I remember the morning that we were getting ready to leave. I woke up that morning and began to load up our car. And the plan was that I would drive the first half of the trip home. And then me and my wife would switch places and she would drive the second half of the trip. So I jumped in and we drove for about two hours. And kind of our um, halfway point was a Chick-fil-A restaurant around Riverside, California. We felt like that would be a good, you know, meeting ground. And so we stopped by, got some chicken. I got an ice cream from Chick-fil-A and my wife began to drive. I got in the passenger seat and we started kind of the second half of our journey. And at that point, I was really in a good place. Uh, We had had a great time of vacation. Um, I was feeling good. My daughter was in the back. She was pretty well into her nap by this point. Uh, There wasn't a lot of traffic and I was eating my Chick-fil-A ice cream. So we're driving, and my wife says, Travis, I, I think there's something wrong with, with the front tire on my side. I said, Char, I just drove for two hours on these tires. They're fine, as graciously as I could, you know. <laughs> and so we just kept driving. And we were, we were probably, I don't know, four or five miles down the road, and she says, Travis... There's something wrong. I feel like there's a rumbling here in the front of the car. Something's about to happen. I said, Char, if you're really that nervous, just drive faster, which was a bad idea. And so we're, we're driving in the far right lane on the I-15, and all of a sudden, our, our front driver's side tire just explodes everywhere. And when that happened, on the side of the road, there was, a, there was a concrete kind of barrier, so we couldn't pull over. So we had to drive for about 100 yards on this busted tire, which is very awkward. So we, we finally pull over, and I remember this moment. I'm, I'm standing on the side of the I-15, and all of these cars are going past me. I had just unloaded the entire trunk that I had jammed full that morning to get to the spare tire, it's kind of hot outside. My Chick-fil-A ice cream is melting. And, and here was the thought I had. I really wish that this was not happening to me. Have you ever had one of those moments? Probably a better question would be, when's the last time you had one of those moments? And for some of us, when we think about 
the last time that thought or something like that crossed our minds or came out of our mouth. You know, for some of us, it's a lighthearted story, but for some of us, it's a really serious story. It's something that you walked through that was heavy when you thought to yourself, I really wish that this would change. For me, I say that most often when I'm walking through a hard time or a difficult circumstance. When I'm going through something and I think to myself, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. I didn't ask for this. And God, I really wish that you would remove this from my life. But here's a lesson that I've learned over and over again. The unexpected circumstances in my life that I so desperately want to change are often what God uses in order to change me. Maybe you can relate with that. And one of the, one of the struggles I have in remembering this lesson throughout my life, one of the reasons it's hard for me is because I have this tendency to drift and see life from my perspective instead of from God's perspective. It's very easy for me to be fixed on what I think instead of what God says. But over and over and over, I've learned that those things I would have never signed up for are the things that God uses to shape and develop my life more than anything else. And today, as we, as we continue our study through the book of 1 Peter, we're going to look at God's perspective on the hard times that we walk through here on earth. So if you have a copy of the scriptures or maybe uh, a smartphone or a tablet, would you turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1. And in just a moment, I'm going to be, begin reading in verse 6. If you've not been with us for the past few weeks in this series, let me encourage you. Go on our website, hopechurchonline.com, and catch up with these messages. Pastor Vance has gotten us off to a great start in this verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read verse 6 and 7 as our text today. Verse 6 says this, In this you greatly rejoice. We're going to clarify what that is in just a moment. Even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As we begin this morning, I want to I go ahead and give you our big idea for our time together today out of this text. And we're going to spend the rest of our time really wrestling through this specific life-changing reality. Here's today's big idea. 
the hard times that test my faith can also be what God uses to strengthen my faith. The hard times, the difficult times that that we don't sign up for, that test our faith, can also be what, what God uses in order to strengthen or grow our faith. Peter begins verse 6 with a phrase that you and I would never start with if we were talking about trials or hard times. He starts verse 6 with the phrase, In this you greatly rejoice. We would not have started it that way. But remember, once again, this is God's perspective. His eternal, perfect perspective, not our finite, imperfect perspective. And he begins in verse 6 by saying, In this you greatly rejoice. This word rejoice is a word that means deep spiritual joy in God. It's the act of finding joy in God and in what he has done. He says, in this. Now, what is he referring to when he says this? Well, he's referring to what he just shared in verses 3 through 5. If you remember last Sunday, Pastor Vance did an incredible job at unpacking the real root meaning of those verses. We established last week that because of the living hope that we have in God, our past has been dealt with, our future is glorious, and our present is secure. And Peter is transitioning to this conversation about hard times by saying, listen, there is something that you have in your life that you can continually rejoice in. It is a living hope that impacts your past, your present, and your future. But then he moves on from from this idea of rejoicing and he begins to talk about struggle. He begins to talk in verse 6 and he concludes verse 6 by saying, You have been distressed by various trials. He's writing to this first century church who is is really scared about what's going to happen as they continue to try to share the gospel and expand the kingdom. And he says, listen, I know there are some trials in your present. This word various is a very interesting word. It means many colored It means that there are going to be many different types of trouble as we walk through life. Many different types of trials. And they are going to cause us to be distressed. This word distressed means not only physical pain, but also mental anguish, sadness, disappointment, and anxiety. I love how Wayne Grudem ties these two ideas of continually rejoicing and walking through various trials. I love how he ties those together. Listen to what he wrote. He says, This text gives the following sense. In this hope of the future, you are continually rejoicing. Although, during this life for a little time, if God deems it necessary, you are grieved by various trials. Peter Thus shows simultaneous grief and joy to be normal in the Christian life. Grief arises because of many difficulties encountered in this fallen world. 
But faith looks to the unseen reality beyond this present brief existence and rejoices. So there's, there's a lesson here for us in understanding that while I am walking through various trials, there is an opportunity within that to see my faith grow and to see my faith be strengthened. As we established when we started, the hard times that test my faith can also be what God uses to strengthen my faith. We see this same principle in the book of James chapter 1. Here's what James wrote. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. In both our text this morning in 1 Peter and this text from James chapter 1, we see this mentioning of trials and what it looks like to continually rejoice in the midst of those trials. Now before we go any further, I want to distinguish between two things. I want to distinguish between a trial and temptation because they're different. But a lot of people hear them as the same. I read, a, I read a clarifying statement by Warren Wiersbe, and he really does a great job at distinguishing between what is a trial and what is a temptation. Here's what he said. In the school of faith, we must have occasional tests, or we will never know where we are spiritually. Not every difficult experience in life is necessarily a personal test for God. Sometimes our own disobedience causes the pain or disappointment. Sometimes our hurts are simply a part of human life. He says this, Learn to distinguish between trials and temptations. Temptations come from our desires within us, while trials come from the Lord who has a special purpose to fulfill. Temptations are used by the devil to bring out the worst in us. But trials are used by the Holy Spirit to bring out the best in us. So today, as we have our conversation around hard times, around trials, we're talking about those things that God can use to bring out the best in us. And the way I want to do that is I want to share with you this morning two encouraging realities to remember during hard times. It may be something that you're walking through right now. It may be something that you just came out of. It may be something that you're away, that's going to hit you this week. Regardless of where you are, these two encouraging realities can apply to your hard times. Here's the first one. The first thing Peter talks about in verse 6 is God's perspective on the trials we face. And here's what he says. Hard Times are temporary. The first breath of fresh air that I want to share with you today, regardless of what you're walking through, is that hard times, difficult circumstances, they're temporary. They're not going to last forever. Look back at the text. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now... 
for a little while. Those are four very powerful words. This phrase, for a little while, literally means for a season. It means trials are limited in their duration. They're not going to be here forever. Does this mean that they're short? No. But it means in light of eternity, they're brief. They're temporary. He is using here a comparative idea. He's saying, listen, I know you feel like what you're walking through is never going to end. But if you could step back and see it from my perspective and compare your, your temporary hard time to the length and the glory of eternity, you would understand that what you're walking through is just for a season. He's using a comparative idea. It would be like saying this. My sermons are not nearly as long as Pastor Tom's sermons. But my sermons plus Tom's sermons don't even compare to the length of Pastor Vance's sermons. All right? He's saying compare it. I know what it's like to be in a circumstance and feel like this is never going to end. But according to the scripture, the book of 1 Peter, here's what he tells us today. It's just for a little while. Hard times are temporary. I wrote this in my notes. It's just kind of a key thought. Believing that hard times are temporary is one of the hardest things to do when you are in pain. Because every moment seems like an eternity. Nevertheless, God's perspective is that our period of suffering on earth is short compared to that which is eternal. You just got to think about these believers who may have been huddled up in a cave reading this letter, thinking this is never going to end. And Peter encourages them by saying, listen, I know you feel like you're in the heat of the moment and it's never going to be over. But know this, compared to eternity, the suffering, the trial, the hard time you're walking through, it's just for a season. Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 where he wrote, Therefore we do not lose heart which is usually the first thing that you do in the middle of a difficult circumstance. He tells these believers, don't lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Here's a, here's a summary statement that I shared with 9 o'clock, and I'm going to share it with you. Maybe write it down and talk about it this week in your small group, because it has a, lot of, has a lot of meat to it. Trials are various in their form, but limited in their duration. Something you can take away this morning to recognize. The trials that we face, the hard times that we face, they are, there's a variety of different forms, but they are limited in their duration. 
Because what we learn from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, is that hard times are temporary. They're various in form, but limited in duration. I hope that encourages you today. No matter how dark it is, how hard it is, if you're a believer, it's not going to last forever. And compared with the glory of eternity, it's just for a season. It's just for a little while. Well, here's a second encouraging reality that I want to share with you today to remember during your hard time. Hard times have a purpose. Hard times are temporary, but secondly, hard times have a purpose. Continue to read in verse 6. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, for a season. Then he says two words. If necessary. If necessary. Now, why would he include those two words in this passage? He's talking about trials. He's saying rejoice in the living hope that is Jesus. You're walking through trials. They're for a season if necessary. Well, if you were to get into this original language here in the first chapter of 1 Peter, you would interpret that a little bit differently. It literally means absolute reality or since it is necessary. You see, when we are born again, God begins a process of conforming us to the image of Jesus that our life may reflect His life to the world. And what we learn here is that God is big enough, He's wise enough, He's powerful enough to even leverage the trials and hard times in our life to conform us more to the image of Jesus. Hard times have a purpose. He says, keep rejoicing. It's just for a season, but it's necessary for you to walk through these various trials. They ultimately have a purpose. God is able to use our pain for a purpose. Now, you may be here and say, you know, Pastor, that sounds great in your sermon. How do you know that? How do you, how do you live with a confidence that this, this train wreck I just walked into is, is going to be leveraged, it's going to be used somehow for my good and for God's glory? Well, in Romans chapter 8, Paul speaks directly to that idea. Here's what he says. He says, and we know a statement of confidence that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Here's, Here's what I learned from that verse. Regardless of the circumstance, I can trust God. Regardless of the circumstance, I can trust God. Now, I'll be honest with you today. There are a lot of hard days that I'll walk through. And here's what I think the issue is. The issue is I don't have all the information. God, if you would clarify for me the real intention of why this is happening, what caused this to happen, if you would clarify that for me, I would feel better. But in any of my hard times, in any of your hard times, if there's a questioning that is going on in your heart, We don't have an information issue. We have a trust issue. 
Because the scripture just shared with us that regardless how bad it hurts, how hard it is, how difficult it is, God can use it according to his purposes. Charles Stanley said this, God can be trusted in the midst of adversity. And he can work all things together for good if we adopt his definition of good and accept his system of priorities. That's a powerful statement. He can work all things together for good if we adopt his definition of good and accept his system of priorities. So I thought this week, what are some of the the ways in my life that I've navigated through a difficult time and continued to trust God through that difficult time? So I want to share a couple of those with you this morning. One of the things, when it comes to my hard time, your hard time, that brings me comfort to trust God is this. Silence does not mean absence. Silence does not mean absence. Let me tell you what I mean by that. In almost every hard time, the first question I ask, and probably the first question you ask, is why? Lord, why this? Why now? Why in my life? Where in their life? The first question that comes to our heart naturally is the why question. But I want you to know something today. It is very rare that any person gains clarity about the why question this side of heaven. That's important to understand today. Because if everything about you trusting God is hinging on you getting clarity around the why question, that is never going to come this side of heaven. But just because God is not answering the why question for you does not mean he is not with you and in you through the hard time. Having Jesus with you in hard times is more important than having all the answers in hard times. Just think about that. We struggle on a regular basis because we think if we knew the answer of why, it would all be clear for us. And so we question God. But silence does not mean absence. And from my perspective, and I believe from God's perspective, walking closely with Jesus through the hard times is more important than having all the answers in those hard times. Over and over again in the scriptures, we hear this quoted, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's good news every day, but that's really good news when you're walking through a hard time. That the Bible promises us our Father, through His Son, will never leave us nor forsake us. And even though we may not have all the answers in the midst of our hard times, He promises to be with us, to be near, to be close with us during those hard times. A second statement that has really encouraged me throughout the years and walking through hard times to let me know I can trust God is not only that silence does not mean absence, but God does not waste 
anything. There's no hurt. There's no pain. There's no struggle. There's no sorrow that God can't use. He'll never waste a hurt. He'll never waste a sorrow. He'll leverage it. And by leveraging it, he'll strengthen our faith if we'll trust him. I've been reading uh, the book that we shared with you, Charles Stanley's book, How to Handle Adversity. Incredible, incredible book. And this week I read, I read this statement that he made that I think really brings this together. He said, regardless of what he may be in the process of accomplishing, regardless of how noble his purposes may be, he is in touch with what you are feeling. He is not like a football coach who sneers at his players when they complain about their pain. He is not like the boxing coach who whispers into his fighter's ear, no pain, no gain. Neither is he like the parent who laughs and says to a child who has lost a first love, don't worry, you'll get over it. Through all the pain and adversity God may allow us to face, two things are always true. First, he is sensitive to what we are feeling. Second, whatever he is in the process of accomplishing through our suffering will always be for our best interest. I don't know how that lands on you, but that was a big deal for me this week. That brought a lot of clarity to to, to what it looks like in my life to navigate through hard times. Hard times are temporary. Hard times have a purpose. And I I want to end our time today by sharing you a couple of ways that I believe um, God uses those things to accomplish a purpose and what that purpose is. He goes on in verse 7 to say, So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Two purposes. There's a, we could list a lot. I want to share with you two that I believe come from this text about the purpose behind the hard times. The first purpose for hard times is that God uses them to prove my faith. To prove my faith. In verse 7, to communicate this idea of our faith being proven, Peter uses an example of a very precious substance. And that substance is gold. You've probably heard the story of the woman who interviewed the goldsmith. And she was asking him about the process and all that he does and how does he take care of the gold. And they got to a place where the woman asked the goldsmith, how do you know? When, when, when you've turned up the heat on this gold, how do you know when it's been purified? When it's been made genuine? And the goldsmith looked and said, that's easy. I know that that gold has been refined when I can look down in it and see my reflection. As we walk through hard times... One of the purposes that God is working toward is that he would so refine our faith, 
purify our faith that when he looks down at us, he sees a reflection of his son. God will use those times to prove our faith. John MacArthur said it this way, Just as fire separates gold from useless dross, so God uses suffering and trials to separate true faith from superficial profession. here's, Here's what we need to know today. There are areas of my life that would never be conformed to the image of Jesus apart from difficult circumstances. There are areas of my life that God would never be able to look down on and see his reflection unless I walk through difficult times. God uses these things. He will use what you're walking through right now to prove, to purify, to give you a genuine faith. There's a second purpose I want us to look at, and here's the second one. Not only to prove my faith, but also to perfect my faith. He not only wants to purify it, he wants to strengthen it. He wants to perfect it. He says in verse 7, So that you may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. God uses hard times, yes, to purify my faith, but also to grow and strengthen my faith. And there's another great example of this that happens in nature. One we talked about already was gold. I want to share another example with you that has to do with diamonds. Geology.com says, The formation of natural diamonds requires very high temperatures and pressures. These conditions occur about 90 miles below the surface where temperatures are at least 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. And I read a statement on Twitter last week by a man named Greg Mott. Here's what Greg said. No pressure, no diamond. You see, everybody is obsessed with The diamond, how it sparkles and how strong it is, how beautiful it is, how we wear it on our hands and around our neck and in our ears and some people on their nose, you know, wherever. Everybody loves that part. But what they don't always understand is everything that it took to get that diamond to be to the status that it is. And quite often as you look at other people and you see lives that are reflecting glory, honor, and praise to God, you think that just maybe just kind of happened. But I assure you, for anyone in your life that you see and you would say that is a godly person, someone who gives glory and honor to praise and praise to God on a regular basis, I assure you they have walked through some pressure situations in order for God to strengthen their faith to that point. So regardless of how much pressure you may feel right now, know this. No pressure, no diamond. God wants to use these hard times that I walk through and that you walk through to perfect our faith. C.S. Lewis said it this way. 
God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. I was thinking on Thursday about some of the most difficult times that I've had to walk through as a Jesus follower. Times that, quite honestly, even standing here today, I don't understand why. And I came up with four. Four things that in my 30 years on the planet, I've walked through and honestly just don't understand them. I don't understand them. And here's what I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that by God's grace, those four very, very hard times in my life pushed me to God and not away from Him. That's very important. You see, He can use even our hard times to strengthen our faith, but we have to respond to Him in the right way. And I'm thankful that in all four instances, once again, by His grace, they drove me to deeper dependence on Him, not more dependence on me. And, and, and one of the reasons that I think that happened is because there are, there are three questions that whenever I don't understand something, I ask these three questions. And I've shared them at Hope before, but I want to share, with, share them with you again today, and then we're going to have some time to respond. Because I know there are people in the room right now. I talked to several at 9 o'clock and, and they just don't understand. I mean, I talked to some people and they couldn't even get what was going on out of their mouth before they broke down in tears. And so I hope these questions will just be healthy for you as you navigate through some hard times and hopefully serve as, as a means to push you to Him and not from Him. So that he can even use those hard times to strengthen and grow your faith. Here's the first question. God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you saying? God, what are you saying to me right now? I'm confused. I'm frustrated. I'm mad. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Second question. God, where are you trying to lead me? Is there something about the path that I'm on that you're trying to redirect as a result of this hard time? Third question. Who are you trying to show me? Lord, this is difficult and I'm being exposed to some people that I didn't see in my immediate future, but now you've brought them into my life. I'm living in this hard time. Who are you trying to show me? Those three questions in my life have not given me all the answers. But in the midst of confusion and not knowing what to do, they've pushed me to trust God more, not run from God. The hard times in my life, the hard times in your life that test our faith, God can use those to strengthen our faith if we will pursue him and not run from him. And that is what 1 Peter tells us is God's perspective on hard times.